Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. There's some days, I don't know whether you feel this or not, but there's some days you come to church and it's a normal Sunday. And there's other days you come to church and you just think, something's happening. And something's happening today. I don't know if you realise that or not, but something's happening today. Yeah? Something's happening. We just we, we, we sang those songs about the name of Jesus. We sang that the name is powerful. There's power in the name. Yeah? We sang that there was healing in the name. We sang there was life in the name. If that's in the name, what's in his presence? Yeah? What's in Jesus' presence? And today we're going to focus on Jesus being present with us. Doesn't it say where two or three gather together, he is present in our midst? Yeah? You know that one? Okay. And if he's present amongst us, then if you saw the coronation at all yesterday or if you've seen any major event, whether it be, say, for instance, a wedding or anything like this, you know when the person who is the person that is the main focus comes in, everybody stands. Yeah? Yeah? So why don't we now stand and honour Jesus in our midst, yeah? If you're able to. It's not, nothing weird, it's just honouring Jesus and saying, Jesus, we thank you that you're in our midst. We welcome you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Just as that little boy did yesterday, we say, Majesty, welcome to this place. On behalf of Centre Church, on behalf of Burgess Hill, Mid-Sussex, Sussex in general, the nations that we touch, we say, welcome, Lord Jesus. Welcome, Lord Jesus. Your love never fails, Lord God. You're the one and only true God. We lift your name on high, Lord Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, the Father of all. We thank you that you are the creator God, the one who made us, the one who knows us intimately. And Lord Jesus, we thank you. Right now, you're present amongst us. You're present amongst us. I don't know what your expectation is today, folks, but your expectation sets your experience. The level of your expectation today will set the level of your experience today. Jesus wants to touch each one of us by his spirit. Presence amongst us, his presence amongst us. Just receive it right now. Receive it right now. I've got some words to say, but don't let those words take away from his presence amongst us. And let's hold on to all he wants to do. Yeah? Yeah? Thanks, folks. Please take your seats. Take your seats. Thank you for that. I felt it really right today to focus. I I was torn because I wanted to focus on coronation stuff, but then I thought, well, everybody's going to do that over the times. But I also wanted to focus on, do you know, the, the, the times between Easter and Pentecost, the time between Calvary and the resurrection and the ascension and Pentecost itself. That time between those two places, we got one quick slide up just to center us where we're talking about. It's the next one. Yeah, you perhaps can't see that with this lovely projector. So um, the, the idea being... Next week we will. So you've got the crucifixion, Jesus' sacrifice, and the disciples were scattered. You've got the resurrection, Jesus' new life, and the disciples were bewildered. What's going on? 
You've got the 40 days in between where Jesus teaches and the disciples learn. And then you've got the ascension where Jesus returns to heaven and the disciples are expectant. And then you've got Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes and the disciples are empowered to take that gospel message to the world. What I'm going to talk about today is right there in the middle. Jesus appears to the disciples in Luke 24 and John 20. It's that point after the resurrection, eight days later it says, but before the ascension, where Jesus appears to them again. And I want to talk about that for, for, for two significant reasons, and we'll get into that in just a moment. So the next slide, please. So that's the piece we're going to talk about. The, the Jesus appearing to the disciples in the locked upper room, it's something that is recorded in a couple of the Gospels, and um, I don't normally do this, but something I do like to do once in a while is to take uh, a harmony of the four Gospels. I don't know if you've seen one of these things. It's really quite interesting. It sets out the different Gospels and the various accounts and what happened and the, the narratives, and it brings them together in a way you can see the different perspective from the different writers. And I think that's really helpful sometimes to see that. We have to read our Bible in context. I'm not saying take it out of context, but it's really good to get the overview, different people's perspectives, you know, because you see it from different angles. Would you agree? Yeah? It's good to do. So what I've done here is I'm bringing together a couple of these different verses about the same situation, the same time when Jesus appeared. So here it is here. I've got it printed out to read here, and you can read it on the screen. If we read in John's Gospel, it says, on the evening of that first day of the week, and this was eight days after um, Jesus had been seen, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And we read in Luke, they were startled and frightened. You know, we've just welcomed Lord Jesus here amongst us. But if he actually stood truly amongst us, if the king came in, we might be startled a little bit at that. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Jesus said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands, look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see here. They were startled. They were frightened. They thought they saw a ghost. And then we read on in the next one. How in Mark, he rebuked them for lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who'd seen him after he'd risen. Eyewitnesses had come back and said, we've seen Jesus, but they refused He's saying they were refusing to believe them. And in Luke, and while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, they, they just couldn't get their heads around it. Wow, really? What's going on here? He asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. And then we read in John, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. That's the order, when they saw the Lord, and yet... They saw him when he appeared, but they didn't actually see him until they'd been through that process. So that's a little bit of what I want to talk about today, if we put the next one up. And what I've got is, um, and I'm going to go through it pretty quickly because I want us to get towards the end where really I think there's an application for us today, particularly 
in this atmosphere that we've got amongst us today. So uh, three things that I want to bring out about the presence of Jesus. The first one, so it's the next slide, is Jesus expected? Do you expect Jesus? We've already sort of touched on that. The second one, is Jesus recognised? Do you recognise him in our midst? His presence, is Jesus welcome? Sometimes we just want to go our own way and we don't want him to interfere. And three benefits of his presence. His presence brings reassurance. His presence brings hope. And most of all, his presence brings peace. His peace. Yeah, so that's good. So let's start with that first one, his presence. Is Jesus expected? The disciples were together in that place, one place, with the doors firmly locked. Yeah? They were in a lock-in. It's like, you know, as if we locked the doors and said, guys, you know, you're in here today for the duration. We've got to shift the stuff off the stage. You're staying until it's gone. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not quite. Maybe not quite. But, you know, they'd heard from Mary. We heard about that at the Easter service. They'd heard from Mary about seeing Jesus himself. She'd recognised him and come to understand that it was Jesus who had been resurrected, who'd come to new life. And they'd just heard from the folks who'd been on the Emmaus Road, and, and they'd just hurried back, these two folks, they'd hurried back, and they sat with the disciples and told them, they've seen the Lord, I've seen the Lord, we've seen Jesus. And yet they decided they needed to get themselves together in a room and lock the doors. And what does it say? Why did they lock the doors? Because they were afraid of the Jews. They were afraid of what was happening around them. They were afraid of what was happening around them. And they didn't expect Jesus to be with them. They didn't expect Jesus right there. And Jesus comes and he says to them, he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who'd seen him after he'd risen. So he starts out, Jesus starts out by saying, peace be with you, that's a nice greeting. I like that one. But then he goes on and tells them off. Somebody you haven't seen for a while, is that a nice thing to have somebody come, suddenly say, yes, well, welcome, but by the way, you're not doing so good there. It's not really, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't like that particularly personally. But they were pulled up, they were pulled up short, but why? Because Jesus wanted them to realise that actually they needed to activate their faith and they needed to get over that stubbornness, that stubborn refusal to believe the eyewitness accounts. The eyewitness accounts were those things that were true. They could rely on them. So it doesn't seem that Jesus was expected in this situation. Yet he came into their midst and he declared, peace be with you. When I was, when I was growing up, we used to have, um, we used to love it when relatives came over. Um, we got some really good, uh, close relatives. They're, they're not close in terms of family tree, but they're close in terms of um, um, part of the family, if you see what I mean. I'm confusing you, but anyway, they're close relatives. People we valued. And um, they'd come from South Wales, and whenever we knew they were coming, we'd be looking out the window for ages before they'd arrived, knowing they were almost here. No, I'm back. Okay, folks, this is before mobile phones. We didn't know that they were... I'm going to be three minutes late, you know? I mean, we didn't know, so we were on our edge waiting for them to come. And as it got closer to the time they were due, we'd go outside and we'd stand on the top of the, of the step, which is at the top of the hill, and we'd look down the street and see them coming. And sometimes, if we were really good, 
Dad would take us to the bridge by the motorway that would see them coming along the motorway. And, you know, we got excited because we were expectant for them to come and to be with us. It was something special. It was an unusual event. The disciples weren't expectant like that. And I don't know, folks. When we come to church, are we expectant like that? Are we expectant the presence of Jesus is going to be amongst us? I don't know, because as I say, the level of our expectation sets the level of our experience. I mean, back again to the coronation yesterday. The, the, did you see, I don't know what, what you saw and what you didn't see, but you know, people started going in there like at 8 o'clock in the morning to sit down, to wait for an 11 o'clock service. And why? Because they were expecting the king. Are we expecting the king? Some of us can't make it before the service starts. Sometimes, me, unfortunately. But, you know, I'm talking to myself. What, what, what's our expectation when we come on a Sunday morning? What's our expectation in our day-to-day? Do we expect Jesus to really be with us in our midst? The second thing was that, that do you recognize Jesus? The, the disciples were there. Jesus came and stood in their midst. They were scared. They thought he was a ghost. They weren't sure who he was. He wasn't standing at the edge of the room. He wasn't standing somewhere off at the back looking at everybody going, I'm a stranger, you know, you're strangers. We don't know each other. He was right there, right in the middle of them. Right, right in the middle. Not standing on the edge. You know, he was right there. And yet they thought, is he a ghost? Who is this? Who is this? They couldn't recognize him. They didn't know him. It was like, as uh, as Ruth said the other week, like Mary in the garden, didn't recognize him, didn't know who Jesus was. And yet, he was the one they'd been looking for. And he was right there. He came right in their midst. Was he a ghost? No, he proved he wasn't a ghost. Was he more than that? Yes, he was in his resurrected body. He said, look, you know, I've I've got flesh and bones. I've got a resurrection body here. I've got a body that is going to go and ascend into heaven. And then a bit further on, they didn't believe because they were of joy and amazement. It's like, what? Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't recognize him because of joy and amazement? Um, well, actually, maybe that is true. I don't know. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody, um, somebody, a long-lost friend, somebody who maybe uh, you grew up with who's moved out to another part of the, the country or an old family member or something like that, suddenly turns up or surprises you. Have you ever had that moment? That, you know, ah, oh, it's you. Ah, oh, I haven't seen you for ages. Have you ever had that? Some, some folks have. Okay, well, you can, you can associate with it, you know. Uh, there, there's things on YouTube. Have a look later. You'll find somebody who's experienced that. Uh, or TikTok, I suppose it is these days, but I don't know. I don't do that. Um, and at that moment, you're like, ah, oh, Really? No, it can't be. It can't really. Oh, they just don't know. They're amazed. They're overjoyed and amazed and don't believe it. And, you know, that was the reaction that the, the disciples had. Recognizing, they, they weren't recognizing who Jesus was, even though he was right there with them. And yet, if we recognize the nearness of Jesus, it gives us courage and strength for our situation. So in your situation... When you're fearful with the doors locked, whether it's literally or figuratively. When you feel alone and no one seems to care or be bothered. When you're worried about life, a question for you. Do you recognize the 
that Jesus is right there with you. Because he is. He's in the midst with you just as much as with the disciples. Just as much as with the disciples. This is, this, there's a couple of slides on from this actually. If you wouldn't mind. The next one as well. And then we move to, yeah, recognising the nearness of Jesus gives us courage and strength. And then one more. His presence. Is Jesus welcome? We did that at the beginning. We welcomed Jesus in. Right at the beginning of the coronation yesterday, I thought it was great. I really loved this bit. I mean, I thought some of it was phenomenal. Our Prime Minister standing up and reading those scriptures. Wow. We need to pray for our leaders. You know, some people will go, oh, monarchs, huh? really? The, the scriptures tell us we should be praying for the kings and for the leaders that we have because they're appointed by God. Whether we agree with them or not is irrelevant because the scripture says we're supposed to pray for them. We need to pray for them. We need to pray for our leaders, be they kings or prime ministers. But the bit that really got me was right at the very, very beginning. That little boy, Samuel Strachan, your majesty, as children of the kingdom of God, we welcome you in the name of the king of kings. Wow. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, truth comes. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. We've done the welcoming of the king of kings. That was something we were going to do in the middle of this, but we did that at the beginning. But, you know, sometimes we want to welcome Jesus in by putting a formula together, a way of how we welcome him. Do you know, sometimes we don't foster the presence of Jesus actually in our lives. We're in union with Jesus. He lives in us by his Holy Spirit. But sometimes we want to get into a formula of how we experience him, how we know his presence. Maybe you don't, but sometimes I do. And this particular quote, the next one, this next particular quote from Bill Johnson really gets me. Those who desire principles or formulas above presence seek a kingdom without a king. Because what we want is a kingdom for ourselves rather than a kingdom for the king of kings. And so we need to welcome Jesus as the King of Kings and the one who's able to do immeasurably more, as we prayed earlier, than we ask or imagine. Not by a formula, but by his presence close to us. <coughs> by his presence close to us. So with all of those things, I want to move on to the benefits, and I'll whiz through some of these um, to, towards the close. Three benefits that I'm talking about. Um, his presence brings reassurance. Do you know, it, Jesus didn't actually ask the question. He asked two others, and we'll talk about those in a moment. But he could have asked the question, why do you fear? Couldn't he? He could have asked that, because he said they were fearful of the Jews. Why do you fear? The disciples were fearful of the Jews. They'd seen what had happened to their master, to, to their leader. They'd seen what had happened. They'd seen the Jews given up to the Romans and seen him crucified they'd realised that crucifixions was the sort of thing that happened frequently. You know, crucif the, 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 the time of Jesus and the, the, the Romans would use crucifixion as a means to put down a whole population. 
there would be sometimes a whole street with crucified people all the way along that street on crosses. That's why they were fearful, justifiably fearful. But there's an old adage, an old acronym. You might not remember this one. For fear. Fear is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. They were looking at what was outside rather than what was within. They were looking at what was going on outside and the, what the Jews were saying and what was happening there rather than looking at Jesus in their midst. And the presence of Jesus in their midst was what was truth and what was reality. Do you know, so often we allow what we think to, we see to run riot in our minds. You know, we, we, we turn over what we see and what we think others think and what we think we saw and it becomes something different in our minds and becomes that fear. It becomes, so we see something, that's our evidence, but it's false evidence usually, and then we turn it around because, you know, Jesus said we're, we're, we're not to worry, but we're to meditate on the word of God, but we're so good at worrying rather than doing the meditating bit. And when we worry, we turn it around, and when we turn it around, it becomes something bigger than it is. And a really silly example, but this is a great one. Again, um, growing up, I lived in Wolverhampton, um, used to play the trombone, no less. Not very well, but nonetheless, used to play, you know, trombone. Yep. Um, and uh, we uh, lived one side of town, and I had to go up to the centre of town to the music school when we got together with the orchestra and the band and rehearse once a week. So, fine, all good, all good. So I had to travel by bus there and by bus back. Have you ever lost a trombone on a bus? Your mind then starts going, you know, where is it? Have I lost it? Oh dear. And it wasn't my trombone. It was the school's trombone. Oh. You know, we didn't, we couldn't own a trombone, for goodness sake. It was expensive. It was the school's trombone. And I'm like, oh my goodness. What are they going to say? Will I ever find it again? All those sort of things. And again, back in the day, we'd got no internet or mobile phones we could quickly find out. So 24 hours of running all of those sort of scenarios through my mind, I eventually managed to go to the lost property at the bus station in Wolverhampton and found a trombone. But in the process, I decided that I was going to get told off at school. Mom and Dad weren't going to be too happy. Well, they weren't anyway. Um, um, the, my, my music teacher most definitely wasn't going to be. The band folks weren't going. I mean, you know, I'd got all sorts of scenarios running through my mind. Silly illustration, but don't we all do that in our day to day? Yeah, whether it's our neighbours, people who have these neighbours from hell. It's like, really? Now just love them? Anyway, um, you know, or, or whether it's family, or whether it's work, or whatever it might be, sometimes we just let it get out of hand, and it becomes false evidence that appears real. But actually, what we need to do is we need to apply the words of Jesus in our situation, and we need to recognise that he is present with us in that situation, and why we see, well, when we see that false evidence, we need to bring the truth in of Jesus being with us. Jesus comes into that situation and says, look at me, I am the true evidence. I am the true evidence. I am the one who's taken your place on the cross. I am the one who's conquered death in the grave. I am the one who has life, everlasting life, and life in all its fullness for you. 
I am perfect love, and perfect love casts out fear, does it not? And I am with you always. Trust in me. So the presence of Jesus gives us that reassurance. But more than that, the presence of Jesus brings hope. And you know that I love hope. I really do. I think hope is amazing. You'll know that Romans 15, 13 is one of my favorite verses. I love hope. The God of all hope will give us hope so that we can give hope, so that we can overflow with hope. Because hope is the most important thing that we can have. That when the, the, the folks at Bethel teach that whoever has the most hope in a room has the most influence. Think that one through. Think that one through. Whoever brings the most hope to the room has the most influence. It's an interesting one. Not part of, that was free, not part of this. So Jesus says to them, why are you troubled? Why indeed? It's a great question. Do you know this morning, question to all of us, are we troubled? What's troubling us? What's, what, what's causing us problems today? I don't know. Are you troubled by a, an ache or a pain or a doctor's diagnosis? Are you troubled by some sort of negative report at work or situation that you're facing? Are you troubled today by just simply the circumstances of life? We all get there. We all experience those. Experienced most of those over the last year. But the thing is, if Jesus is present with us, if he's truly right in our midst, not remote on the edge looking in, but actually present with us in the midst of it all, then he knows what those reports say. He knows what that diagnosis is. He knows what that trouble is that's troubling your mind. And because he's right there, do you know what he does? He opens his arms and says, come to me. Come to me. Just like you would to your son, your daughter, your friend, your neighbor, whoever it is that you just want to hug and hold. Come to me if you're troubled, if you're weighed down by worry, if you're wearied by all that's happening. Come to me if you're heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus today wants to bring you rest, but you need to come to him. Do you hear that call today? Jesus in your presence, come to me. And then the one I just want to finish with, because this is the one to me that is most, most, most important of all. His presence brings peace. Why do doubts rise in your mind, Jesus asked. Jesus knew the disciples had doubts. He knew they hadn't fully grasped that he was alive and all that that meant and that he was about to ascend into heaven. But he promised them another person like himself to give them comfort. They were in this place of discomfort and he promised them the Holy Spirit to give them comfort. He promised one who would bring back to the disciples the remembrance of all that he taught. And he promised one who would bring peace. Peace. Now we see the full coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and we're not getting there yet. That's when Jesus released the Holy Spirit to the world in power and the, the, the disciples were empowered for the gospel message and from that point on we know that we've all got that opportunity to have that empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that endowment of the Holy Spirit to be able to, to speak in tongues, to be able to preach the gospel, to be able to see signs, wonders and miracles in our situations. But at this point Jesus releases the Holy Spirit to the disciples 
for their need at that time because of comfort and for peace. Today, do you need comfort and peace from Jesus? Do you need to receive that peace from him? We often quote Philippians 4. Is that up there? Yes, it is. It's that bottom verse there. We often quote Philippians 4. We often say, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, through thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We often say that, don't we? But we forget the half a verse before it, which says, the Lord is near. His presence is here. The Lord is near. And that's why we don't need to be anxious about anything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, now we're receiving it. Because in his name we receive. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Anybody see any guards yesterday? 4,000 marching to start with. Yeah? There were a few guards there. They really were. The king's guard. Would anybody want to mess with the king's guard? No? No. And now I am going to go back to, to the YouTube clips. Have you seen any of those YouTube clips where people go up and they touch the horse? Yeah, or they stand too close to the guard? Maybe you haven't. Let me tell you what happens. The, let's say that's the guard, and somebody comes up and they sort of, sort of sidle right up next to them for a photograph or whatever, and maybe touch it, and they'll shout out in a very loud voice and usually stomp their feet at the same time, Don't touch the king's guard! Because they're guarding something and they're taking it seriously. The peace of God guards us like that. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think peace means, oh, that's nice. But no, it's powerful. The peace of God is guarding your heart, my heart, your mind, and my mind. I need that guarding sometimes. I need that guarding. I need the peace of God to guard me. Sometimes. The king's guard. The king's guard. Not something timid and placid, but something strong and commanding. The peace of God. Don't touch the king's guard. Don't touch the king's anointed. We're the king's anointed. His peace will protect your heart from turmoil and your mind from doubt. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at centrechurch.uk or check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.